Welcome to another episode of Wim Radio. I'm your host, Peter, and joining me for this episode, we have Sarah. What's going on, Sarah? Hello, hello. I am super awake, super energetic, ready to go. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that at least one of those things is true. Is it? Was I believable? I think uh, I was pretty believable. <laughs> I think you did a pretty good job. Uh, and also joining us tonight is JJ. What's going on, JJ? Oh, I am also, I'm the most awake I have ever been in my life. <laughs> As uh, Randall from uh, Clerks would say, I'm no stranger to sarcasm, sir. Uh, <laughs> I've been quoting that movie a lot lately, and I, it, it's really interesting to see like who, who has seen it and who remembers it like I do. And it's not very many people, but because uh, <laughs> it's so old. But anyway. Um, let's move on to some Red Wing stuff. So, uh, the two of you are, are more tired than I am because you stayed up last night to watch the game, um, against Vancouver. I watched it earlier today and I will, I will tell you it was, it was not a pleasant experience, even not having to stay up late for it. Uh, so I can, I, I can imagine from past experience how, how, how bad it is to watch a game like that. And have it also be late, and you have to stay up. Um, so we're going to talk about that as part of uh, our overall topic for the first segment, which is the start to the season. Uh, so Detroit got off to a good start this season. Um, they they won some games. It was a strange experience after last year, where I think last year I think it was game eight that they first got a win, something like that. Um, but you know they beat uh, Nashville and Dallas. Uh, they lost to Anaheim. They beat Montreal, which was weird. Uh, and then the last two games they lost uh, by pretty big scores. They gave up five goals in each of them, losing to Toronto 5-2 and to Vancouver 5-1. Um, so, Sarah, what are your early general thoughts on the season? And then we could, you know, we can jump into some more, some more specific topics a little bit later. Well, my first general thought is I'm really glad I got to go the home opener and it was awesome. And Mantha was a hero. So that's the first general thought was I personally started off the season on like a pretty high note. Um, and so obviously because I was there, they won. Um, you know, but I, I think kind of that high energy really came because we saw articles and everything where Larkin was kind of like, oh, like, fuck all you guys. We're going to be awesome because you think we suck. And they kind of had that that little chip on their shoulder that I think is what they had at the end of last season was, you know, we'll show you. We don't need all these old guys. We got this. Um, and and But we really are going to, you know, ride or die on that that first line. And we've seen that, you know, when they haven't scored every single goal or, like, most of them, <laughs> we've lost big. You know, Luke Glendening can't do it all. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so it's like we got off to a really good start, and I think now reality is unfortunately setting in a little bit. Mm. We could still totally turn it around because – screw the flames and the Oilers and, you know, playing the Oilers should be pretty high energy. Um, you know, if we win that, that'd be kind of like not quite as good as winning against Montreal, but still pretty good. Um, so I think my general feeling is like, um, I'm not sure where to fall right now. If I want to keep the optimism or just like let the pessimism just, ah, just settle in my bones for the next several months. Um, (laughs) 
but I, I'm going to, I'm going to try and keep a thread of belief and see how this, the rest of this Canada trip goes. Um, <laughs> and that I'll, I'll reevaluate my feelings. I was just thinking that the phrase, uh, pessimism settle into my bones is like the perfect phrase for like what it's like to be a sports fan, like 98% of the time. <laughs> oh, Anyway, uh, JJ, what about you? What, what are your early general thoughts for this season so far? Man, I was I was right there. I'm, I think that we may have recorded this episode uh, a couple of days too late. We probably should have just done this on Monday. Uh, because like you said, like recapping a, a late night West Conference garbage game is just like it's a weird kind of lonely miserable like man i could have gone <laughs> to bed but i have to watch this third period and it's dark and my entire family is asleep and there's just no light left in the world by the time you, you finish writing that it's just i was way more optimistic about this team uh <laughs> before that game <laughs> and it's not the end of the world um no it was a, a like Sarah said, it was a good, a high energetic start to the season. A lot of the good promise that we saw, I, I've really enjoyed that. Uh, the line that everybody's enjoying, and and for the obvious reasons, um, and you know, the, you know, we were all worried about what was going to happen if that line wasn't able to score four goals every game. Um, but you know, we got through those first really uh, the tough games against Western Conference teams. And then, you know, we had the letdown against Anaheim, but that was that was one of those, oh, it was kind of a useful loss. And then we beat Montreal for the first time in forever. So, the, yeah, everything's great again. Uh, kind of the, the the game against Toronto where Ken and Mick and uh, apparently more of the Red Wings fan base than I thought was was really high on how how close we got to winning that, that 5-2 game. Um but yeah, then then Vancouver, the team just kind of fell apart, and it just kind of they showed us that that's going to happen more this season. They showed us they lost their composure. They just uh, things kind of snowballed on them, and and that happens to even really good teams. It's going to happen to the Red Wings uh, slightly more often than we'd like to see, uh, which is we'd like to see it happen never. But hmm. honestly, uh, it does help allay the concerns that perhaps the Red Wings would kind of continue to, because I wouldn't actually say that their early season success was, was too lucky either, but they might continue to, to kind of luck into being too good for their own good. So uh, I'm happy. It, it's balancing out. Uh, the pessimism is, is just settled around my tendons right now. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. yeah that's where I'm at. Yeah. <laughs> Give it time. Give it time to stay. Yeah, I was, I was going to say a combination of what Sarah said, and then I think you had a line there about, like, and all was dark or something like that. <laughs> like, there was no light left to the world. I think that's what it was. And that's – oh, yeah. Um, I mean, as as I as I frequently talk about, I mean, I am a veteran of the 10-1 to 1 Montreal recap, and that wasn't even a late game. And – by the end of that, I was just like, do I, do I have to? <laughs> it's like, I think I'm putting more effort into this recap than they're putting into the game. And, and that, that got annoying. But um, yeah, I think like one of the things I remember from the Dallas game, I think it was, um, I know it was a game I did the recap for. And I think I did the Dallas. Yeah, yeah, I think it was the Dallas one. Um, 
where even though we won that game, like there were plenty of times where a better team would have destroyed us. You know, there are plenty of times where we made like a, a, a really risky play or a bad play and a better team would have picked it off and put it in the back of the net. Um, and so, you know, after, you know, the beginning, you know, we, we won the first two, we won three out of the first four games, um, which don't get me wrong. I mean, I was happy for, um, but I wasn't too surprised to see, you know, that at this point we're three and three. Um, I mean, that's pretty much where I would have expected us to be. Um, give or take maybe a game either way. You know, I didn't think we were going to be undefeated. I didn't think we were going to be as bad as last year in the beginning. Um, but, you know, right around 500 is, is pretty much where I expected them to be. Um, so we talked about the, you know, uh, I think everybody made a reference so far to the top line. Um, so it's really interesting because that seems to be, you know, kind of your classic makeup for a line where you have a playmaker, um, you have a, you know, a, a shooter, uh, and then you kind of have like a, you know, go in the, go in the corners and get the puck. But at the same time, each one of them can kind of do the other roles, which I think is, is working out really well. Like most of the time it's going to be Bertuzzi going in and taking the puck out, but Mantha can do that. And even Larkin can do it. Um, all three of them can make passes. I mean, Bertuzzi, you know, is probably the one least known for his playmaking ability out of the three. And he's made some, some really good passes uh, on, on the Vancouver uh, in the Vancouver game last night, the goal right in the beginning. I mean, that was a beautiful pass from Mantha. Um, and, you know, we've seen Bertuzzi score some pretty nice goals. We've seen Larkin score some pretty nice goals. So from my perspective, that's kind of the, the most fun thing about that line is it's kind of the classic makeup of a great line, but it's also a little bit different in that, you know, like I said, everybody can kind of play each one of those roles. So, JJ, what do you think? Like, like what do you think about the top line? Like, what makes it so good for you? Um, yeah, honestly, I, I really do like how they uh... – how they all kind of do can do each other's you know jobs more or less. But honestly, the the number one thing that I'm looking for every time that that line comes on the ice is um, Mantha just bowling through people. He is fun to watch because the Red Wings haven't had like necessarily even a, a prototypical uh, power forward looking guy. Uh, since uh, Franzen and, and Hosa, and that's who he is start looking like a lot. I like I mean, you will, you'll see because I used to make fun of Philpola all the time, and I probably still will as the season goes along. Uh, in terms of Philpola was always really good at gaining the the zone with speed, and then like there was a cliff that was that came on at the tops of the circle. So he had to pull off right at the sideboards right there and stop and let everybody catch up with him and make sure he didn't get crunched by the defender covering him and make sure he wasn't turning the puck over. And so, you know, it, it, it worked for Phil blood, but I always kind of was like, Hey, what happens if you like maybe tried to keep skating? Manta does that. Yeah. So I especially saw it in the Dallas game, but he's done it in, in every single game so far. At least once, he's got a rush along the wing where the defender has him lined up to pinch him off along the boards and end the rush, and Mantha's like, yeah, fuck you, I'm going through you. And he does. Um, <laughs> he, late in the game against Vancouver, when things were starting to get out of hand, things were starting to get chippy, you know, right before the refs got 
you know, the, the refs took control of it by calling a holding penalty instead of all the roughing that was going on. Um, yeah. Manta did that to, to Tyler Myers twice on the same shift. Like, Tyler Myers was trying to pinch him off, and Manta just shrugged that gigantic man off like it was nothing. Uh, so I'm really enjoying just the way he's like, you know what? Physics are my bitch now. Uh, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it's it's like he has uh, he has solved the matrix, uh, and everything is going slow motion for him. Uh, but yeah, like I, I actually I put up a, a gif on Twitter when I was watching the Vancouver game, and he did that again against Vancouver. Uh, he didn't obviously didn't score on it because the Wings only scored one goal that game, but it was really nice to see him do that. And I've seen him do it, like you said, a couple couple other times at least. And I I haven't seen every minute so far this season, um, but yeah, it's awesome to see him. Uh, you know, continuing to make that play because I think it makes him so dangerous. Uh, Sarah, what about you? What are your thoughts on the top line? Well, you've all been avoiding saying they're the heart, hustle, grit. You know, they've each, <laughs> but they've each got all three. That's what you were meaning to say when you were being analytical. Sure. Um, yes. You know, but I agree. It's, you know, with Mantha, he keeps surprising people with his speed, which is weird. Like you think they would have caught on by now. <laughs> But it's like, wait, he's tall and fast. What? Because they look at Larkin as the speedster. And then Mantha's like, well, I take like three steps. And Larkin has to take like eight steps. So really, we're like the same speed. Uh, you know, and Mickey Redmond loves it. I kind of live for that, for him just like getting excited when Mantha blows by somebody. <laughs> and, you know, like you were saying also, you know, Bertuzzi, he can be a playmaker too. Uh, you know, we think of him as that you know stand in front of the net get in the corners punch people prevent mantha from punching people and breaking his hand that's the one thing mantha can't do is punch people i'm all right with tyler bertuzzi even maybe larkin but i would like to assign someone as mantha's hold me back uh guy to <laughs> hold him back but um yeah and you know i think that they're you know there's obviously the chemistry's there and i i saw you know, somebody tweeted or there's an article or something where they're like, you know, said, oh, yeah, we got a goal in this play. We just wanted to try it, see like how it would go and how it went was it worked and they scored a goal. <laughs> yeah. so, like They're clearly working on making plans and, you know, being creative. And, you know, I feel like the Red Wings have, you know, or we could see a history of being like creativity getting stifled um, mm. forever, kind of since Datsuk <laughs> and even him, they tried to stifle it a little bit. Uh, you know, but it seems like maybe Blash is kind of hands offing a little bit better um, and letting them be creative, you know, make mistakes, not bench them immediately, um, you know, and just let them figure things out. And it, and it seems like it's going pretty well. Uh, you know, on the other hand, the more they play together, the more other teams are going to see how they work and like maybe be able to shut them down. Um, but I'm not going to think about that. I'm going to be, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to think that they're just continuing to be creative. And if they do get a little too figured out that, um, something that happened in Vancouver, which I didn't even notice until someone said it later was, uh, Athenasio ended up on the top line for a little bit, um, to try and get him going. Cause he's been real close. Um, but they, it didn't work, but <laughs> they tried <laughs> it, uh, to get him going, you know? So it's, you know, it's nice. We think we have, we have that top line, but we also have, you know, you know, double A waiting in the wings to sneak in there if if they're just, you know, stumbling a little bit and need a refresher. So that's 
that's my thought that it's three pieces, but there's also that fourth piece um, that can <laughs> sub in where we need to. And he is going to score really soon. Yeah. He's I been know he so said... close, but he like he'll blow by everybody and then he'll whiff the shot or like forget what he's doing or <laughs> like it's just like he's a half step off. And I'm I think the power of my belief and the power mm-hmm. of Ken Daniels wanting him to score when he's <laughs> announcing it. I think that'll get him. So it's <laughs> because we're in some kind of weird Freaky Friday where Darren Helm just came off a two-game sc- scoring streak, <laughs> and Athanasio gets breakaways that uh, that he can't get past the goalie. Oh man, I, I'm gonna switch bodies back yeah. any day now. We we need a lightning storm. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the big problem. <laughs> that, that's pretty much what we need. No, but Sarah's point about the the top line getting kind of figured out it goes like I, I'll. I'll take it back to her, her even earlier point about how those three, they have their specialties, but they can, they can cross specialize in any of them. You know, Bertuzzi can, can shoot goals and he can make passes and, and Larkin can, can grind in there and, and he can, and he can shoot and Manta can, can grind and he can make passes. So I, I do think that as other teams kind of figure out what they like to do the most, the team, the, I don't think the line is going to get totally consistently shut down just because they are all three capable of, of kind of taking over for what exactly the other team is game planning yeah. against. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, one of the, one of the problems with the team so far has been that the top line has been going really well. Um, and the bottom line, which we'll talk about in a second, um, has been doing much, much better than, than many fans expected, uh, <laughs> especially one particular player. Um, but the, the middle two lines have been pretty, pretty quiet. You know, there hasn't been too much goal scoring coming from there. Um, and, you know, it, it's basically kind of like in the beginning of the season, I think like, uh, it was, I think it was the Dallas game. I was, I was like, okay, uh, I need to invent, you know, if I'm not doing a recap, I need to invent like a little app that will somehow buzz me when the top line is coming on the ice because the rest of this game is boring and it's only exciting when the top line is on the ice. Um, but the other line that is doing well is the, the bottom line, like I had mentioned before, and it's, it, it's, it's really good to see them going, especially um, Justin Abdelkader. Uh, because, you know, coming off of the last couple seasons and especially the last season, you know, it's, it seems, it seemed like on his current trajectory or his previous trajectory that, you know, he wasn't really an NHL player anymore. And he's certainly done a good job of dissuading people of that uh, notion, at least so far this year. Um, so JJ, I'm going to jump to you first. Um, so what are your thoughts on Abdicator's play so far and, you know, the, the bottom line in general? I have uh, first of all, I really appreciate like just let's just call them the bottom line. Yeah, and that's the bottom line. <laughs> um, with Adlocator, what I I what I like so far is that he went through the summer saying all the right things. Like, yeah, I know I sucked. I I really need to not suck so much. And so it was all we could really do is while saying that the team should you know, wave him or buy him out or trade him to the moon or something would be like, okay, we'll prove it then jerk. Uh, and then he has done that so far. So, okay. As long as he continues mm-hmm. to prove it, this, I like this, just an applicator. I want this, just an applicator to stick around. I still, I recognize that there's going to be a lot of people who, 
just cannot do anything but care about his AAV, which I, I, I just don't care. I it's the Red Wings are not a they're not a usefully capped crunch team. I mean, they are uh, in a cap crunch, but it's not like oh no, we can't go get that. We can't go trade for that that piece that we really need. I, we don't really need that piece right now. Uh, we we kind of need to avoid spending money on that piece right now uh, for for fear of derailing uh, the rebuild too early. So uh, if later on it, if that becomes a factor, then then let's make it a factor then. But in the meantime, I'm going to enjoy Justin Abdicator being the useful uh, the useful Justin Abdicator that. I don't believe was ever going to score 20 goals if he wasn't going, if he wasn't having uh Datsuk bank pucks off of him. But uh, I, I don't care about that. Uh, if he's out there and his, his line is producing the light, the way that they have been, and it's not just about goals. It's about like, they flat out shut down Austin Matthews line. That's, that's damn hard to do. So yes, I, I like that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Sarah, as our as our resident uh, resident meme memer, I don't I don't know what the proper term is meme maker. Because uh, I actually I like that one meme maker because because it, it's almost like dream maker. Uh, what are your ideas for making some Justin Abdulkader memes that accentuate his positive out- attributes so far this season? You know, it's really hard for me to make positive memes at all. I have <laughs> so I mean I probably have five hundred quotes saved up, probably more. And I'd say like 450 of them are sad, bad, mad. Those are the names of the folders <laughs> that I keep them in. Oh, <laughs> I do actually organize them or like weird Rasmussen stuff. Um, man, <laughs> no, I do have a positive Abby mean meme and it's the first one I made and it's about him punching people. And it says, you know, I, I'm very strong. I could fight 20 snails on a, you know, or 21 snails on a good day. So it's about him being very tough and strong. And the other ones are about him like canceling himself or fucking up. Um, But man, if he like keeps not making me mad, I won't say playing well. I will say not making me mad. Uh, We might just get some positivity out of him yet um, because it's, I don't know if I maybe I kind of feel like I want to be mad at him just because it's comfortable, but he hasn't yeah. done anything except take penalties, but not even that many. He was not good in Vancouver, so I could be mad about that. Um, but yeah. we don't we're not going to remember that game, so it's fine. But and I think it's also like there's no threat, knock on wood, of him like being elevated to like the first line or the second line. And I think that was also part of the hatred was like, don't you dare just stay down there, move your piano and like it, (laughs) which he is now, Uh, you know, so it's, you know, but it's, it's nice to see them that line clicking. And I'm, I've decided to hitch my wagon to like the De La Rose train. Um, I didn't think that I would, but there's something about, he's just very, seems very wholesome and I like want him to do well and be healthy, so I think he's like my uh, my little fourth line dream. Yes, that's right, Helm. <laughs> I might have someone over you on the fourth line. Oh no! <laughs> but we like the second and third lines are like meh mm. because. But part of that <laughs> is because you know how much I hate Athens CEO at center. I know why he's there now, but I hate it. Um, you know, but if Nielsen comes back, which you know he should be, I think now. Um, hopefully 
double A will get his place on the wing and then he'll score his goals and everything will be fine because obviously him being at center is what's wrong with the entire team. <laughs> That's the only thing we need to change. Um, yeah, well, you, you know, like you say, we've already forgotten the Vancouver game because Nielsen was back for the Vancouver game. <laughs> yeah, see, I've already, I've already forgotten that. Uh, you know, but I, I, cause I just think about, I just remember like, look at Philpola and just, I'm like, oh, he's still Philpola. <laughs> he's still himself. He's still just, you know, pass, pass, pass. And I don't want him infecting everyone. Um, yeah, but the one, one player I want to talk about before I shut up and let someone else talk is Taro Hirose because my like bold predictions were like a million points. It's the <laughs> season of taco and he has just done like nothing and I'm like, Oh, I hope it's not my fault for like having hopes and dreams because <laughs> that would, that would make me feel bad. Um, but I, I guess I'm like disappointed because I, I guess after, you know, he just showed up out of nowhere and then was good. I was like, well, sky high expectations. Now there is nothing that could possibly go wrong. Um, but he's just been kind of there. So I'm, I'm waiting for him to break out um, and like do good things that's my story <laughs> <laughs> awesome well we'll be back in just a minute after this break and we'll talk some more red wings whim radio ad timeout all right let's play all right and we're back uh so normally we uh we do our reader mailbag questions at the end of the episode uh but today as we're recording right now there is one uh and it is about something that we were planning on talking about anyway in this section so we're just going to jump right to it uh so jj just so our listeners don't get too thrown for a loop uh we can do the traditional role of you reading the question for Uh, our listeners all right so mantha fodder Says, uh, Mike Green playing a bit yellow, which, excellent, excellent pun there. Yes. Uh, what are your thoughts on Mike Green's play this season? He doesn't seem like himself. He's never been a defensive defenseman, but to say he's been off is an understatement. Is it possible he's not fully recovered from what kept him out most of last season, or is he just rusty? Uh, Peter, I'm going to just throw it right to you. You haven't had to answer a question yet. I haven't. No. Yeah. <laughs> That's the good thing about hosting. Um, you get to choose when you get to do that. Um, so uh, pro- most likely the same day that this episode comes out, actually, probably the article will be out earlier. Um, I actually wrote my first article in my ser- my weekly series this year about that question about Mike Green. Um, and Basically, I went through and just uh, showed that statistically he has not been very good, which shouldn't be too surprising, but it's always nice to, you know, get some confirmation. Um, Specifically, in terms of giveaways, uh, he's been really poor in giveaways. And uh, basically, in giveaways per 60, he has given up the puck four times for every 60 minutes of play. Um, And to put that into context, basically, let's see, uh, going down the list for Detroit, you have Nemeth uh, at about a little over three, Chalosky about three, Roenick about three, DeKaiser about two and a half. Um, But looking at the chart, it looks like about two, two and a half is is roughly league average. Um, So he's well above that. Um, And then in terms of takeaways for 60 minutes, he is right at 0.5. 
you know, so the, he has, you know, he's at a negative 3.5 uh, differential there. Um, and if you watch the Vancouver game, uh, this, this is probably not surprising because he, he made some pretty bad passes there. Um, as to the question that the reader asks about uh, the reasoning, this is the hardest thing. Like at the end of the article, I was, you know, I, you know, I said, I love to give you a reason, but I, I don't really have one, at least not right now. Um, but the one thing I will say is that from what I remember from watching last season, a lot of this isn't really new. Uh, you know, doing the power play series, I, I went back and rewatched every power play shift and he made a lot of the same mistakes that he's making now at even strength on the power play. Um, when you would think, you know, typically you have more time, you know, as a defenseman, you're going to have more time, less pressure, uh, you know, even against a high, high pressure penalty kill uh, system. And he was making a lot of the same mistakes where he was taking too long to make decisions. Um, he was making kind of dangerous passes that didn't really have a good chance of completing. Uh, and also the hardest thing for me was to try to figure out how to phrase this because I didn't want to say that Mike Green doesn't care, but like when you watch some of the th- some of the plays he makes, it almost looks like that. It's kind of like really lackadaisical, like no sense of urgency. Um, and when I went back and rewatched the Vancouver game to get some clips for this article, you know, a lot of the stuff that I, I saw him do there is stuff that he was doing last season. Um, so I think that basically he wasn't that great last season. Um, and I think a lot of the thing with Mike Green is I think a lot of people are kind of remembering the defenseman he used to be and kind of not paying. And I don't know if, I don't want to say not paying as much attention, but maybe maybe just like the fact that they know, hey, this guy used to be good, you know, might be coloring uh, their judgment a little bit, um, you know, prior to now. But yeah, he's he, he he has looked really rough. Sarah, do you have any uh, educated, uneducated, irresponsible guesses as to what's wrong with Mike Green? Uh, well, I probably have two of those things. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean, it was awful. I mean, the whole Vancouver game that we'll never remember was awful. But for him in particular, I mean, kind of the best thing we can hope for a defenseman on our team, other than Hronik, is that we don't notice them at all. That's like the the peak that anyone except Hronik can reach. He, Mike Green was very noticeable in all of the wrong ways uh, with penalties and takeaways and just kind of being there. And if I was being really irresponsible and rude, I'd be like, well, his brain is like melted because from whatever zombie thing he had going on. Or if I wanted to be nicer, just be like, he doesn't know how he like fits in with this defensive core or something. I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't like Nemeth. Maybe <laughs> He's his nemethith, but I had to make that joke. <laughs> Sorry, I had to find a way to get it in there. Um, <laughs> take that, JJ. <laughs> it, it, that was more entertaining than anything that happened in the Vancouver game ex- after after the first minute and a half. But yeah, I don't know what's what's going on with Green because you know we do think of him as you know kind of our offensive defenseman. Um, Heronic is kind of that now, but. You know, that's kind of always been his thing, you know, even in Washington. And I don't know if he's just sad that he's not, I don't know, on the Nationals. But, yeah, I want there to be a reason or like a good reason or even have a fun reason that I could make up. But I guess I'm just sad (laughs) that that he's like both healthy and bad (laughs) 
<laughs> like, I don't want him to be unhealthy, but I want him to be both healthy, but also like productive. And I have not reached the point where I'm like, man, I miss Jonathan Erickson, but I'm afraid I might get there <laughs> in like another two months. Um, and I, I don't, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to live that life. So get it together, <laughs> Mike. I'm counting on you. I will say, if it takes you two months to get there based on the way Green has been playing so far, you are the most patient person in the world. <laughs> Green makes us blue. Uh, what I'm... What I'm worried about... Yeah. There you are. You come charging back. <laughs> yeah. I, I, have to, I have to reclaim my throat. No, we are We are like the top line, Sarah, is the, the things that you're good at, we're all, all kind of good at, and the things that we're good at, you're all good at, so we can all just do each other's jobs. <laughs> I guess I need to make a meme pretty soon. Uh, at any rate, <laughs> what I'm worried about with Green is, and I don't have really anything other than just uh, this thought popped into my head, is my memory of what happened when Nick Cronwall was no longer able to be elite anymore. And he went through the transition period of figuring out, okay, my body is not capable of making the plays that I'm used to being able to make. Uh, how do I not suck? And it mm-hmm. took Cronwall time to get there. And, Cause by the end of the, by the end of his career, uh, Cronwall was, was way more limited and he was way more uh, sheltered than he had been. And that, that really helped, but he, Cronwall had figured out how to get back to just playing to what he was uh, still capable of doing. And he did it well. I'm worried that Green is still expecting that he can play the way he used to play, and it's like it's just not ready to admit that it's not even like that that he's lost a step or that his um, his reaction time has slowed a little bit because, like, uh, like I said in the comments the the other day, the the turnover that led to the first Vancouver goal was a it was a good idea. The pass that he was trying to make was a good pass to make. Uh, he just did not make the pass the right way. And that, so to Pete's point earlier, like he, he was taking a lot of risks that he didn't need to make. And the reward on the, on a lot of the risks that he does take is not worth the risk that he's doing. I, I think that that one turnover that led to that goal against Vancouver, that was worth the risk. It's just make the play right. You don't have to worry about it, but yeah, with with Green and trying to uh, to to figure out how to become the the elder statesman and become a defenseman and not and, and recognize that he's no longer the hot shot. I just hope it didn't take uh, too long. Um, so yeah, so one one thing we wanted to talk about is uh, I, I guess you could call it a, a mystery. It's a, it was a, a big topic of discussion uh, in the last week or so for Red Wings fans, especially on social media where all the takes are reasoned and well thought out. Um, and everybody, uh, you know, just, you know, keeps a level head. So we're talking about, we're talking about, uh, Evgeny Speshnikov who came up, he was called up, uh, from the Grand Rapids Griffins and he did not get into a game, uh, before he went back down. Once Franz Nielsen was healthy enough to come off of injured reserve. Um, so, JJ, what do you think the reasoning was for this? Because, I mean, we're kind of just guessing. We don't have the information. Um, I was listening to 
I uh, I was listening to the the wings after bre- or wings wings for breakfast podcast with uh with Prashanth and with uh with Max Boltman from the Athletic and you know he's somebody who goes in the locker room talks to the coaches and things like that and I'm pretty sure he said he didn't really know what was going on there. Yeah, I like the theory out there that uh, Svechnikov is still kind of dealing with a lingering thing and so being with the Red Wings gave him the the Red Wings medical care. Uh, I don't think I buy it, but I like it. Just because I'm still tied back to the worrying about the the status of 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 Franz Nielsen being able to go, but like there was the entire time that Svechnikov was up, and like they essentially the the team told us they sent Svechnikov down because Nielsen was was ready to go, but you know Svechnikov was not playing the entire time Nielsen was on IR, so. Um, on a team that couldn't score goals uh, with a kid who uh, is, is looking like he could score goals. So I, I don't know. Like it, it does not make sense to me because he did end up missing time playing for Grand Rapids, which he might not necessarily need any more of, but I mean, it, the best sense I can make of it is like, it did give an opportunity to be in the locker room with the team um, just kind of getting used to that locker room culture, practicing with them, getting uh, getting used to them. Because that's the the thing about, you know, we Sarah mentioned uh, that Hirose hasn't been off to a great start, and it looks like he's just like, it, honestly, it looks like a timing issue. So the more you get to spend with these guys, the more you get to kind of get on the same page. Now, if he's going to go back down and, and be in Grand Rapids for another two months, then I, I can't, I can't, I still can't make that logic work. Like, I just – put him in a damn game. You've got one line that's scoring goals and I, I don't know. I, I like Christopher Ain, but he's not a goal scorer. So let's try one of those for a change. So I, I got nothing, I guess is what I'm saying. <laughs> well, I mean, at the same time, I mean, there isn't really, you know, there's no, no evidence that we can build off of. I mean, we, like all we're doing is, is, is going on conjecture. Um, and as I was saying that, I realized that that one of us is is really good at at building something out of nothing. So, Sarah, what are your thoughts? Why do you think that? I, by the way, I meant that as a compliment, just in case. I'm pretty sure it came across that way, but just making sure. Um, yeah, yeah. So, 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 what are your theories? Yeah, building you know building wild theories is is my jam. So, um, you know, I I also <laughs> would like to believe something about like oh you know he went heavy in the boards he may have tweaked his knee a little bit so instead of sitting suspiciously in grand rapids and being like hello i'm injured he could just sit with the red wings and like hang out and get that veteran knowledge pass or whatever you know or like milwaukee was like sweep the leg so they wanted to get him out of there for a couple of days um but what i you know, the doom cloud is the like Yurko Polkinen, all those guys syndrome that I don't want to see, <laughs> you know, Svetch fall into and being that like perpetual in-betweener where he's like ends up too good for Grand Rapids, but they won't let him in the door of Detroit. And that's that's just the worst because then they leave and. And it's even worse if they go to another team and are like good because that we haven't really had that problem <laughs> with like your cover Um 
but you know, and it's like, we're such a low risk team. Like, what are you going to do? Lose more? <laughs> so what? <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, we want to win. We believe in ourselves. Mike Green was quoted in an article I just looked up as we believe in miracles. Great. But it'd be like a great miracle to put Svechnikov in and have him score like 10 goals this season. That would be a miracle I would believe in. Um, but it's, yeah, it's kind of inexplicable, but I also, you know, know there's like the culture, it's capital C, and like intangibles and stuff. So I'll just put it, to, I'll, I'll mark it down as intangibles and hanging out with like the team, like dads and learning stuff. There you go. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, that is the definitive answer for why Evgeny Sveshnikov came up for a little while and then went back down without playing in a game. Um, we're going to take on one last quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk. Uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, around the league uh, in addition to, you know, outside of Detroit. But then we're, we're also going to have a, a great transition uh, with a former Red Wing saying something interesting. Wim Radio, add timeout. All right, let's play. All right, and we're back. Uh, so like I said before the break, a former Red Wing said something interesting. Uh, now, JJ, you were the one that shared this uh, tweet, at least like the time I saw it. So uh, so, so tell us what happened, because I, I don't think I got the full story, but I got most of it. So at the media scrum for the Blue Jackets uh, on Wednesday, apparently, um, or after the, the morning skate, because the, the Blue Jackets played a game, uh, they were talking to Gus Nyquist about him killing penalties. And the question got asked, like, why haven't you, you know, why haven't you killed penalties before now? And the, the response of his, that guy tweeted out was um, like, he said, dumb coaches, hmm. which is amazing and hilarious because obviously uh, the dumb coaches that he would be referring to are Jeff Blashill and Mike Babcock, former Red Wings coaches. Uh, Current former Red Wings coach and future former Red Wings coach. Um, so it was like – and the, the guy who, uh, who tweeted out, uh, Mark Shag, um, you know, clarified he was not taking a shot at anybody. It was very much – it was way more tongue-in-cheek than, than what came through. Um, the writer himself actually ended up deleting the tweet and apologizing to everybody for, for creating this kind of a storm because – it was very clear that that Gus Nyquist was not like throwing Mike Commodore shade at uh, in the Red Wings' direction for not having him play on the penalty kill. Um, but in terms of like, I, I get that it you know he didn't intend to make a shot, but the the, the truth being tongue in cheek and like, no, I mean there was kind of a it's it's hard to not take a shot out of it considering how brutally honest it is. I mean, you know, yeah, I mean, like, it kind of seems like there has to be something there. Uh, but at the same time, like, like I think uh, I, I think something I read basically said, uh, you know, Tortorella had made a comment. I, I, I don't know if the Tortorella comment was after Nyquist said that. Um, but I know Tortorella had made a comment about, like, you know, this dumb coach is going to try him on the PK or something like that. Um, so, yeah, I'm not really sure. But uh, I don't know. I kind of wish I kind of wish he did say it for real, because uh, I think I think we need more of that in the game. Yeah, he's got the, the white Goodman like I'm just kidding. But seriously. Yeah, he just tells it like it is. 
<laughs> the funny thing is, I only became aware of it because Sarah made a joke about it uh, that I saw first thing in the morning. <laughs> oh yeah, you're welcome. Uh, yeah. Was it a meme? It was probably a meme, right? It it was a meme. Yeah. <laughs> was it something about a goose possibly being loose? Uh, no, I think it was about there was like the Blashill um like picture quote that the NHL tweeted about him eating three hot dogs. Which oh, yeah. is not a sentence I thought I'd ever have to say. <laughs> and I think I uh, I may have edited the quote to something less. I don't know how it could be less flattering. <laughs> I, I'm sure I'm sure many people had the same reaction to that that original quote as I did, which is I had thought that somehow the NHL had found one of your things and, and it like if, like like falsely attributed it to, to Blashill as a real quote then i realized it was a real quote oh yeah i had like eight i had like 10 people tweet me being like yeah. what i'm like well they probably are just like what would sarah do we'll do that because our we suck all of our marketing mm-hmm. schemes have ended up as sarah's jokes so let's just cut to the chase, skip the attempt, and get right to the joke. I will say, I think JJ pointed this out as well, that the uh, whoever is doing the keys to the game is doing a really great job this year, much better than in the past. Yeah, I think they've, I think like they've upped their game, and it's not a conspiracy theory, but I'll call it one anyway. Is that like if for whoever follows the Tigers, like the Tigers clearly got new social media people. I think like last year and they just really stepped it up. They've been fantastic. They've handled getting their asses kicked with complete grace and like being like, Oh look, puppies, like puppy pictures. Hooray. And just owning how much everything sucks and not just like trying to keep a stiff upper lip about it. Um, And it looks like the, the Red Wings account is kind of hedging in that direction. I don't know if they'll go all the way, um, but like the Tigers that got really good at losing and, handling it and i really think the red wings and all of us can uh can learn from that about making fun out of garbage which is like my i guess my life my lifestyle yeah 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 because i I remember last year um i i started doing a thing where i would like i would i would like you know photoshop and uh change the the three keys to the game uh and it just seemed like it was it was it was a really really easy way to make jokes, um, and it's nice because this year I don't have to do that because they're they're already good. Uh, all right, so uh, before we wrap up, right, uh, you know the the Red Wings are the team that we all follow, but they play in the NHL, and there's a lot of interesting stories going on uh, around the league. Uh, so Sarah, what's what's a storyline that you've been interested in following uh, about the NHL this season so far, or you know more than one if you want? You know, I have not been interested in the rest of the NHL um, at all, which is you know not not great for me. Um, you know, I I keep an eye on the Caps because they're like my side my side team since I live here, but I don't know, I haven't like latched on to any other team and been like, yeah, kick their asses. Although I guess right now anyone playing, like I'm kind of annoyed at the Oilers. I guess that's the storyline that I think I and, and probably other Red Wings fans are like, what the hell? It's not, you mm-hmm. can't attribute that to Ken Holland. You can't because he just got there, but still like, what the fuck? 
Stop winning, you asshole. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you, you get rid of Mike, uh, um, not Mike, Jesus. You get rid of Milan Lucic, and uh, who knows what could happen. Yeah, well, stupid was that James Neal is like having a renaissance. Fuck that guy. <laughs> quote, quote, sign it, print it. That's what I think. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think if, if we were a podcast that did like episode titles, uh, then I think that would be the episode title. <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> if I were allowed to, I would name this episode the "Fuck That Guy" edition. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, so JJ, what what storyline or storylines have you been interested in following around the league? No, I'm there too. Like, I'm kind of like, gen- like really quickly growing to to hate the Oilers and the success that they're having earlier in the season, especially because, like, I get, like, it's funny that you trade Milan Lucic and you get James Neal and he scores a bunch of gold, but James Neal is still a shit heart. I hate that guy. Um, yeah. He he need a guy that was on the ice once. I mean, James Neal. And I, you know, don't want to see – Ken Holland doing that well because it, it's, it's annoying. Like you couldn't fucking trade Justin Applicator, but you can get James Neal for Milan Lucic. Like what the hell's going on there? Um, <laughs> I was watching a game the other day where the announcer, like, cause Yurko was on and the announcer was, uh, and I'll say correctly calling him Yurcho. And every time I heard it, it was like, that is technically his name. You are actually pronouncing it right. But I, it is still bad for me to hear you not call him Yurko. Um, Stop it. But then I I realize <laughs> I don't actually have to watch the Oilers, so whatever. Uh, the the Devils starting off uh, 0-4 has been really entertaining to me because they got, like, all these pieces, and then they put, like, John Hines in charge of it, which is very much like building a, a supercar and, like, oh, hey, you've got a CDL license. Uh, come on, Smokey. And it just <laughs> – yeah. putting a truck driver behind the wheel and like, well, why isn't this working? Right. That guy's a driver. So I'm enjoying that. Um, and the other, uh, perennial off season victors, uh, the Dallas stars are also off to a shitty start. Um, and that's kind of, yeah, that's, that's my fandom all over the place. When, if it's not the Red Wings, like I'm, I don't cheer for other teams to do well. Like I will sometimes cheer for a player to do well and kind of like, Oh, well, I guess I'll take his, his team on. Like, um, that's actually how I, I made peace with at least one Pittsburgh Penguins Stanley Cup win uh, because it it was Phil Kessel getting mm-hmm. happy for that. So uh, I, I watch everything else for spite and uh, enjoy the suffering of other fan bases way too much to be happy for anybody out there who's doing well. I don't even know who's doing well. That I like Flo is, is currently undefeated. Uh, we'll see if that's still the case. They're playing a game right now as we record, but um, – I don't like Jack Eichel, so I, I'm not I'm not going to be happy for them. No, no, no. There is one Carolina. The Carolina Hurricanes are a good, fun, happy team. Um, go, go the bunch of jerks. I'm I'm happy for them. Although I don't want Prashant to to get his early season prediction that what was it that they win the President's Trophy? I think that's what it was. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they fall one. One short, just because, uh, screw you, Prashanth, you're right about everything all the time, and I'm just <laughs> tired of, of your perfection. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think, uh, I, I, what was I? I, I think most of us have like one of our bold predictions that's already not, 
come true yet, but, you know, kind of seemingly perhaps on the way to coming true. Uh, and maybe, just maybe, somebody other than Sarah can win this year. Because um, Sarah's our, at least our two-time reigning champion. Uh, well, I, I feel like I, I tried to be more bold this year, which, <laughs> like I said, I, I you know, was like, Tara Hirose, this is his year. There's plenty <laughs> of time, but I could also be drastically incorrect yeah i was really worried for a second that uh my nielsen you know not playing a lot of games this year was gonna come true like in game two uh you know when he took that puck to the face i was like oh god like that that you know you know kind of like what jj and i talked about that that's uh you know he has a history of head injuries and I did really did not want to see that, you know, end his career or something like that. So I'm glad he's back. Uh, I hope that he has a better season than last year. Um, so far he hasn't looked horrible. He hasn't really stuck out in a positive way, but I, I don't remember him looking too bad so far, but we'll see the season's young. Um, yeah, actually I was going to do, uh, I was going to talk about the hurricanes um, just because that's, definitely outside of the Red Wings, the, the team that I'm most interested in watching when I have some free time. Um, I also, it, it, it's hard. I have a love hate relationship because I do like watching Toronto play from an entertainment standpoint that, you know, their offense can be really exciting and interesting and they move the puck around really well. Um, and also their games are entertaining because their defense is terrible and they have one pretty good goalie and a terrible backup goalie. Uh, so, you know, their games are usually, you know, typically high scoring, so that's fun. Um, but then I remember that if they do well, that it makes a whole bunch of people on Twitter who are terrible people happy. And uh, <laughs> that that's tough <laughs> because I think the Toronto fan base in general, there there are some people I like, but the Toronto fan base in general is is one of the easiest fan bases to uh, to, to be angry at on Twitter because they they try so hard. They try so hard to make it easy to hate them. Um, but yeah, Carolina's looking good. Uh, same thing. I mean, they're entertaining. The uh, The other night they had that ridiculous stat where they put up um, some ridiculous number of shot attempts against Tampa Bay and uh, limited them to a ridiculously low number, which is crazy, again, because it's Tampa Bay. But uh, yeah, I mean, they look like they're for real this year. They look like this could, you know, they could easily be a Stanley Cup contender. So it'd be interesting to see if they can, take you know take that to the next level um so actually before we end let's take a look ahead we'll say the next six games right because we typically do these about every two weeks so they're playing calgary they're playing edmonton then they're home against vancouver at ottawa home against buffalo and home against st louis um so, Sarah, what do you predict for those six games? I mean, obviously not, you know, to go game by game unless you want to. Uh, I predict, you know, I probably depression, <laughs> um, little sparks of joy. I don't think we'll have as drastic mood swings um, as the Lions fans do, um, or at least ours will be more spread out. Um, but no, I... I don't know. I I want to say more of the same, but it's been two like drastically different results. I think we'll have maybe one, definitely one, maybe two more like fairly thorough butt kickings of ourselves. Like we're not kicking yeah. the butts. We're kicking our own butts. We're killing our own yeah. penalties. But 
Um, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to say that we do beat the Oilers and I'm only saying that because that's what I want to happen. So I'm putting a good thought in the universe. Um, I think we will try to get our revenge on Vancouver. Um, probably have a fight or two happen. Um, Ottawa, the only <laughs> thing I care about Ottawa, which I, I should have mentioned as my other storyline, I want to know how they are going to make 90s night a disaster because mm-hmm. everything they do is a disaster. And I'm wondering if it'll be like, oh, we poisoned a thousand fans with these like cans of surge that have been sitting underground for 30 years. Or like, Oh, I thought you were going with like a poison reference, like the band. No, I'm going with like they've literally <laughs> like sickened their own fans because, yeah. you know, they've already crushed them by dropping these like lead beach balls from the ceiling. Um, so, so yeah, I don't really care about the game result in Ottawa, but I am looking forward to their storyline of how, uh, what goes wrong on, uh, on nineties night and with Buffalo, since they're like doing, okay. I just, I just like beating Buffalo because I don't even know. They don't even really deserve my hatred, but they have it. Um, and you know, I, do we say the blues? Fuck the blues. <laughs> That's <laughs> fuck those guys. <laughs> Keeping with our our theme, I hate the blues, and sometimes I forget, and then usually JJ will get really angry at the blues. And I'm like, ah, yep, I'm there with you. So I I think it'll be like a fifty fifty split wins and losses, um, and that maybe is optimistic. But I I think we've got at least one more like pretty depressing butt kick game to deal with. Oh, man, for a second, I thought you were going to talk about uh, Jolt Cola, which, as we all know, is uh, all the sugar and twice the caffeine. <laughs> no, I, I had I didn't have that back yeah. in the 90s. I just had an unhealthy amount of surge. So that's the reference <laughs> I went with. Now that I think about it, I think I think maybe I need to keep some in stock in case I have to stay up for a for a West Coast game. All right. Uh, so, JJ, what about you? What do you think? Uh, yeah, I'm going to predict that we, we go 500 in this stretch. Uh, two of those are back-to-back nights, so uh, throw one of those losses onto each one of those. Uh, I think that um, I care more about losing to the Oilers than the Flames, so let's just assume that's going to be that loss. And I care more about you – know, it's more embarrassing to lose to Ottawa – then to Vancouver, so we'll throw that loss, and then we will either surprise Buffalo or St. Louis. I'm going to say uh, we will surprise St. Louis, and so that would leave a loss to Buffalo. Um, let's just go totally dour. That's going to be Jack Eichel scoring four. Um, God damn it. I'm, just disg- I'm sorry. I want to apologize to all of our listeners for saying any of that. Um you caught me at a at a. Yeah. I had to recap the Vancouver game last night. You caught me at a dark time. I apologize. Um, I think the the Ottawa '90s night. Uh, they'll come out in uh, striped pants. It'll be Dezubas uh, in honor of Ryan Dezingle. Uh, I did like the poison reference. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I can't think of, of any other way. Like, I mean, there's so many ways that Ottawa could screw up. And like McNinety's night, just absolutely awful. Um, you know, they all wear fanny packs during the game. Um, 
running around their, in their Walkman. It's just, it's, it was such a, a horrible time to, you know, for, for everything to be great like it was. <laughs> uh, no, I, I, yeah, we're, we're going to go 500 and we're definitely going to beat the Blues because as Sarah said, well, fuck them. Like, it was fun being able to lord over the whole, like, haha, now there's only one loser team, idiot team from 1967. Uh, take that, Maple Leafs. But still, like, I don't know, the Blues fans got to be happy all summer. And that, people forget, St. Louis doesn't deserve that. <laughs> yeah. I think, uh, 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 by the way, as we've been recording, uh, Edmonton is now up 4-1. to one. Uh, So, Yeah. But Good job, Billy. All that means is that we can be the team that give them the second loss, right? Just like we gave Vegas their first ever loss. I think we can do it. Um, although I will say that I am, I am happy that the person running the Copper and Blue Twitter account gets to be happy for once, um, because it's it's pretty tough watching. <laughs> it's pretty tough watching uh, those tweets when they have typical oiler things and uh you know at, at least at least for a while they get to experience joy which which i think is nice um i i'm going to i'm going to go crazy i'm going to say that we're going to get 8 points out of those 6 games um i don't really think it's going to happen but typically i'm wrong on these predictions so um actually i guess as a fan i probably want to go the other way right but uh too late i already said it uh but i do think that even though we get eight points, I do think that the loss, uh, one of the losses comes to Ottawa because we shouldn't lose to them. And I think we will. Uh, and, and that'll be fun because uh, it'll be fun to lose to them. Uh, people will not overreact at all. Um, everybody will be very measured with their responses. But um, that brings us to the end of our show. So uh, thank you very much for listening. Uh, for Sarah and JJ, I'm Peter, and we will be back at you soon. Wing it. I'm winging it more time.